Welcome to Secrets from the Saddle podcast. I'm Sylvie Daou, your host, fellow cyclist, bike club founder, cycling coach, bike race junkie, just truly super passionate about cycling. My journey with cycling started 20 years ago when I opened a spin studio, started a women's race team, and founded a women's only cycling club called Cycle Fit Chicks. I'm super thrilled to reveal all aspects that make the world of cycling operate. I'm so excited to be able to bring you interesting people from around the world, pro cyclists, recreational cyclists, coaches, event organizers, bike shop owners, everything and everyone you need to know or ever wondered about when it comes to cycling. I know you'll enjoy this episode. Hey friends, before we get started, I'm going to throw a little ad your way. As a cyclist, what is a spring all about? It's about getting your bike ready and learning some specific skills on how to deal with a bike mechanical while out for a ride. Let me ask you this. Do you avoid going long distances because you're afraid of experiencing a flat and not knowing what to do and possibly having to phone someone to pick you up? I can totally relate. I used to be that way. Now to avoid having that ever happening, I have something for you. I have created an online bike maintenance webinars and local hands-on clinics. Check the website for new dates regularly. Here's what you will learn. How to take your back wheel off, how to change a flat, how to adjust brakes, repair a broken chain, patch a flat. In addition, you will learn how to use the tools you're carrying in your bike bag, such as Allen keys and a chain brake tool, tire levers, how to use your pumps, what are chain links and how to use them. With these new skills and confidence, you will be able to handle any mechanical while cycling alone or in a group. No matter where you are globally, you can benefit from one of these webinars. If you're local, the clinics are more for you, and that's for Ottawa, Ontario area. I've been teaching these clinics for over 10 years, and trust me when I say, everyone learns something. A recording will be provided for the webinars, as well as Amazon shopping lists for both webinars and clinics for the bike tools that you will be using and learning how to use. Make sure to secure your spot today at www.sylviedaou.ca or bmcclinic.ca. Thank you very much and enjoy the episode. All right, welcome back to another episode of Secrets from the Saddle All Things Cycling Podcast with your host, Sylvie Daou. And who's sitting in Ontario, Quebec, Canada. And I have this amazing guest with us who is sitting in Switzerland. The Switzerland or Sweden? No, it's Switzerland. 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 <laughs> um, Dr. Antonella Santuccino. Santu- Santuccione. Perfect. Santuccione. <laughs> That's right. Uh, ch- chatta. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> And she is a scientist. We have, I brought her, so I found her link through a woman's race team that I'm part of. And I was like, this is so perfect. It's so different, but it's so essential because as women or even as men, cause she, she has this project that we're going to talk about and, um, it just ties everything in with mental health, physical activity, disease, 
disease, but preventing disease. And uh, so here's a little bit about her before we bring Antonella in to chat. So Dr. Antonella is a medical doctor with expertise in clinical pathology, neuroscience, and um, psychiatric disorders. Her main project is the Woman's Brain Project, which is what we are going to focus on. And it addresses the influence of sex and gender in mental and brain diseases. So this is what we're going to bring her out and talking about, um, because I wasn't able to get enough little details, but we're going to bring her out and she's going to tell us how she got into it and how she designed and started this project. Welcome, Antonella. Thank you so much, uh, Sylvie, for this wonderful introduction. And uh, yeah. Let me tell you a little bit about the Women's Brain Project. It was mm -hmm. um, a conversation that happened among three scientists on the lake of Zurich here in Switzerland. And uh, it was about three women. I was one of them. And we had our kids pulling left and right because after they had their ice cream, they wanted to go back home. You know, <laughs> they wanted to return yep. home and maybe watch Been some there. TV. But we had still <laughs> an idea to debate. We, we really thought... We have to speak about this. We have to create an organization to understand how sex and gender differences might impact brain and mental diseases. Now, let me tell you what we mean with sex and what we mean with gender. When yeah. we refer to sex, it's about our DNA. So actually, any information which is embedded in our DNA and which translate into the way we function with our body, with our brain, our hormonal setting, um, our microbiome, proteomics, whatever, you know. When we speak about gender, it is about the social construct that uh, a human being might have within a society or the social representation that this person chooses to have within a given society. So it's also a self decision sometimes. And we believe that both this component have a profound impact on the way the brain might disease or the brain might eventually function. Okay. And uh, we thought that this is important because in the end it translates on how we develop treatment solutions. It's about how we take care of our bodies and our brains. And mm -hmm. uh, we have evidences from many diseases that it's not only about differences between men and women in numbers. For example, I can tell you that anxiety, it is more of a female condition. Depression, it is more female. Multiple sclerosis, it is more female. Uh, Alzheimer's disease, 70% of the patients are women, et cetera, et cetera. But it's also about how the disease manifests. So the symptoms, there are differences in the way the symptoms might occur in a woman versus a man. It's about the way the disease progress over time. For instance, mm -hmm. I can tell you that uh, what it's known, uh, very often women with Alzheimer's disease progress as twice as fast as a man, which is yeah. actually so, very meaningful. Yeah, please. That's Alzheimer's? That's Alzheimer's, yes. Yeah, okay. You know, women progress twice uh, as faster as a man will do, which is meaning that they decline very fast. And the question is, 
are those differences really taken into account when we do drug development, when we do mm. prevention of a disease, when we consider which are the specific needs of a patient? And the answer is no, because actually women are considered like little men, if you know what I mean. We're just considered like smaller and uh, all is fine. Actually, no, because we have specific needs also right. given to the specific hormonal phases of our life. I can right. tell you, for example, that often uh, premenopause, menopause might represent risk factors for developing this cognitive decline. So it's very important that a woman, exactly during this time of her life, she starts to take some actions to prevent this type of diseases that might happen in 20 years later. Yeah. So yeah, one yeah, has yeah. to proactively um, work on its own body, its own brain, to avoid mm -hmm. that later on in life, you have the bad surprise of having such a disease. I'm not saying that this is a way to cure. I'm just saying this is a way to delay as much as possible, to prevent as much as possible onset of neurodegenerative conditions. And it means clinical exercise. It means what we eat, the way we sleep. It means social interaction, to be socially engaged, socially active. It is a very powerful tool to maintain your cognitive function very well and vivid till the end of your life. Yeah. Like I was just thinking of some, and, and it is, it's really important because I find like, even for myself, like I just turned 51. Um, and I started taking care, like really taking care of my body. Like when I was 25, like that's when I made like that decision. And I think that like, even now that decision was so true. And I, I brought it through my life. Like I've had lots of circumstances where things could have changed. Like, you know, I've divorced kids, like, you know, and I've kept that promise to myself for the very reason of, you know, having a longer, healthier life. And even like, you know, three, six years ago, when I turned 45, I was like, okay, things are changing. Now I've really got to be serious <laughs> about, you know, certain things like physical activity, like we were just talking about and how that affects your body on a daily basis, like eating well, sleeping and all this stuff. I love how it, it always comes back around like, but, and I know that you're going to get really like scientific about it. And I think that's great. And I want people to really think about it because you can start now. The thing is like starting Absolutely. now. Yes, it is. The good news is that it's never too late. I mean, yeah. we have scientific evidences that prove that even if you start later in your life, there mm -hmm. is a meaningful impact on your cognitive state. And uh, it means, uh, yeah, you can always take an action to improve the, the way your brain is functioning. And let's be very precise about it. The brain, it is the control center of all our body. So the way the brain, it works, it will influence the functioning of the rest of our body as well. And uh, yeah, back to the Women's Brain Project. So this became our core mission. Basically, we as a team of scientists decided to provide scientific evidences and try to understand better and better why this has a profound impact on, first of all, our life, but also on the way 
then those who have to develop solutions to uh, take care of our body should consider those differences, if you know what I mean. And mm -hmm. um, I, I give you just some example. What we know, for example, this is a report from um, the General Accounting Office of the United States, uh, which is quite obsolete. It's 2001, uh, this Oops. report. And since then, nobody really made such a study ever again. But what it was shown then is that out of 10 drugs that were withdrawn from the market in the United States, eight, it was because they had major side effects on women, lethal side effects, which yeah. means women have died. The drug was withdrawn from the market. We literally draw in the garbage 20 years of clinical research plus billions of dollars because it, tossed, it, it takes billions to bring a drug on the market. And the paradox is that I'm pretty sure there were people that uh, might have benefited out of those drugs, uh, maybe not the female population or, or not certain mm. type of female, but I'm sure that some people were happy and had a response to this drug, which means they couldn't have the treatment anymore in the pharmacy. If they would have gone and want to buy this drug, it was not available anymore. So it's a bit of a paradox, if you, if you know what I mean, because uh, it means we are doing what we call shallow medicine. So it is not a precise approach. And we advocate for considering sex and gender differences in diseases as the gateway for precision medicine. Precision medicine, it is the future of medicine where we will have a personally tailored medical solution, or if you wish, in the case of physical activity, one should do a personally tailored physical uh, activity program that will have the best possible outcomes. Because, I mean, let's be frank, if I have uh, some certain type of diseases uh, and comorbidity, I might need a different approach in terms of treatment than a person that doesn't have this situation. And maybe the dosage of a drug has to be different. And maybe the interaction of these drugs will differ. And we know, we know, for example, that women have the propensity of having more side effects because of drug-drug interaction, and these are severe side effects as compared to the male population. And again, highly likely because those drugs were not properly studied on the female body. And that's right. what we're doing with the Women's Brain Project. We are trying to bring attention to this unmet need. We are trying to educate all stakeholders to the importance of these differences that we name characteristics. Actually, we want to remove the word differences and replace it with the word characteristic. We believe that once we have, we have done this crucial step, then we will really have vision medicine because differences divide humans, you know? And then you cluster, you divide, you differentiate. No, we want to consider characteristics of mm -hmm. female body, male body, children body, and develop solutions that are really tailored to address specific needs. I give you another example. There is unfortunately, evidences that point that there is an increasing number of Parkinson in younger women. And you know, when we speak with, with patients that are in this situation, so I'm talking about 40, 45 years old female, they might still having, you know, the wish of having a child, or they might still have uh, their hormonal um, monthly fluctuation, which means uh, related to the menstrual uh, cycle. And mm -hmm. they will tell you very clearly that the way the drugs are acting will differ depending on the phase of the 
menstrual cycle they are in. And this has to be taken into account. We, we strongly believe that this has to be considered when you manage a patient. The same is true for women which have epilepsy. You know, it's very important that these women are educated to the risk of uh, treatments when you take uh, drugs for epilepsy and you decide to have a child, for example. So what I'm trying to tell you is that it's not only about pharmacokinetics, pharmacodynamics of how a drug might work differently in the, in the body of a woman versus the body of a man, but it's also about the specific needs related to the phase of the life of an individual and where you are in. It might right. well differ if you are a young patient, if you are a middle um, life stage patient, mm -hmm. or if you are an elderly patient. And this is why we need to tailor according to all these phases of our life. And that's what we do. We generate science, we educate, we write books, we write articles. It's never ending, Sylvie. It's, a, it's a basically, imagine we have, a, we started with three women. I told you this was 2015, isn't it? And now we are 60 scientists across the world. That wow. Are, yes, it's really impressive. Most of them, they do this work pro bono, so, right. which is even more impressive because they dedicate their time, their knowledge to generate scientific evidences as why this is important. And we educate accordingly. We educate the drug developers, the policy makers, we educate regulators, we educate the lay public, we educate the, the media about those differences. And, and of course, we also have a permanent staff that uh, makes the 100% day-to-day business activities. Mm -hmm. But just to tell you that from an idea of three women a few years ago on, you know, on an afternoon in Zurich with kids pulling <laughs> left and right, we came, up, <laughs> yes, we, we came up with a global organization where you have lots of people not only working for the Women's Brain Project, but also volunteering for this work, which is phenomenal because uh, it shows that people believe in what we do, we are credible, and uh, people want to change for better. People want to transform. People want to ameliorate science and the way we do drug development. And this is so important. So are you working with a major drug uh, company to start separating some of these differences from the said so, drugs that are already out there now because that because like I get it they're making one drug it's like for everybody now you're saying you gotta take take this drug what is it done for women what kind of side effects did it affect how can we split it and make a one for men and one for women that's totally different I mean I think that the future of medicine will be towards this direction. We will have really personalized treatment solution. Whether it's gonna be the blue pill and the pink pill, I don't know, but mm. I'm pretty sure that we will start to tailor always more the dosage, the, the way we prescribe the drug, and we will be right. always more alerted toward, towards side effects that might generate from a drug, whether this is a woman or whether this is a man. I'll give you some example. For example, um, just one that now came in comes into my mind clozapine this is uh, a an antipsychotic which is prescribed for schizophrenia for major depression so it's it's a it's it's a, an important type of therapy right and uh, agranulocytosis which is a side effects of uh, this this drug 
which means you have a reduction in the white cells in your blood and might predispose you to severe infections, which can turn out even into a lethal outcome. And psychiatrists who prescribes these drugs, they monitor very frequently their patients to avoid that this can happen. Well, agranulocytosis, this specific side effects, it's more common in the, in the women than in men. Now, if a doctor knows about it, it will be more alerted, more careful mm -hmm. when treating a woman versus a man. And this is just an example. So to your question, with whom we are working, we work with everybody. We work with anyone who wants to learn. We have become pioneer and worldwide experts in this field. So we have several collaboration with the pharma industries that wants to understand how to implement consideration of sex and gender differences in their pipeline. And it's work in progress. It's nobody's fault. I mean, it's an evolving field. Medicine, it is a relatively modern science, if you, mm -hmm. if you wish. Um, we are learning lots of things while we speak. And even sex and gender medicine, it is evolving and generating those evidences that we believe needs to be taken into account when to treat people. And mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, we, we collaborate with academia, we collaborate with drug developers, we collaborate with regulators, meaning okay. those who decides which drugs gets approved on the market, yes or no. We work together with policymakers, we work with the OECD together, with the, uh, with the uh, Organization for um, Economic Development. Uh, we work with the WHO, with the World Health Organization. So you name it, you have it. We want to. The world. Yeah, yeah we, we want to bring this topic at the attention of the world. And transformation happens from within. So, Sylvie, if you want to transform your body, mm. you have to decide. And you know that better than me. It was you with 25 years old who decided, I want to take care of my body. If I come and tell you, Sylvie, you have to change your body. <clears throat> Mm. You might succeed to a certain extent, but it will be never so meaningful when you transform from within. And that's yeah. why we want to educate, generate awareness, work with the, with the main actor to transform together because different will be if we go and tell them, look, guys, you have to just do this, 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 and that. I'm not so sure we will succeed the same as when saying, let's co-create, let's solve the problem together. Let's put the patient, the woman body, at the center and try to understand what's going on and how to specifically tailor treatment solution for, for them. And uh, that's the power and the beauty of it. I mean, uh, it's, it's work in progress. That's why we called it project. Many people ask me, why did you call it Women's Brain Project? I said, look, I'm a person. It's a project. <laughs> it, it, it has to be a project because it has to have an end. I want that my legacy to this world, it's that, you know, this project is terminated, which means problem, problem solved, you know, that's the approach. And, yeah. and then I will do something else in life because I have another plan for my elderly days, you know. <laughs> uh, ah, me too. So do you have an, like, do you have a, um, an example of a said drug that you have been able to uh, tailor genetically or women and men that you've been able well, I can tell you, has, so is there one with, that you started with that say uh, like yeah, okay that should I be can it. tell you I can tell you that uh, I can give you some examples that are available from published literature for example okay. aspirin uh, there is cardio aspirin that you start to take to prevent uh, problems heart. related to the heart, heart or problems related to your brain what we know for example is that aspirin prevents stroke in women 
much more than cardiovascular events. Vice versa, in the men population, it is much more meaningful uh, to have a treatment with cardioaspirin to prevent cardiovascular events rather than stroke. And this is what uh -huh. meta-analysis shows, you know. You need to make the research to understand how those drugs work. And this is why real-world evidence are also very important, which means create registry of patients that are observed longitudinally within a registry to then understand which type of clinical outcomes has been impacted in a certain way, whether it's a man or a woman, and also ethnicity plays a role. You know, it's not only about sex and gender, there is much more beyond. Think about, as I said, ethnicity, think about oh, education. Yeah, okay. Yeah. They say it in Canadian, oh. better pronunciation than mine. Can you repeat? <laughs> ethnicity. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, my strong Italian accent. I mean, I'm originally from Italy and uh, I still carry this Italian accent. Uh, on top of this, my voice, my voice today, it's not at its best. I told you I'm recovering from a cold and uh, so on, uh, but I'm trying to do my best. So back to the point. That's what I'm trying to tell you, that there are several examples. And uh, we are starting now to analyze more and more um, therapies that might have different type of outcomes in men and women and also related to the way the drug has been prescribed in terms of dosage, but also the mode of action. So as I said, it is work in progress. We are analyzing and uh, we are happy at some point later on to, to bring even more scientific evidences as why wow. this is very important. The same is true for migraine. Migraine, it's also a female disease, right? And mm -hmm. uh, there also we have uh, evidences that uh, still a lot has to be done also to consider migraine as a real disease because some people say, oh, it's just an headache. But Sylvie, yeah. try to speak with people which have really migraine attacks. That's not fun. And no, uh, we have, have to a couple girlfriends. Also... Exactly. Really we also that, have to yeah. remove all this prejudice around the female conditions that uh, it's just an headache. It's just menstrual pain. It is mm -hmm. uh, even worse if you think about I'm sure you know about it, that more and more finally there, are, uh, there is awareness about the fact that even an heart attack can have a completely different symptomatic in, in a woman versus a man. Mm -hmm. Because with a woman, it won't be the typical symptoms of having maybe pain to the left arm or, uh, you know, dyspnea or pain to the chest like in the men. With a woman, it's much more, if you, if you wish, more subtle and more in difficult to understand because often it is just a nausea or vomiting yeah. and people think oh maybe she's got a, a virus or a gastroenteritis and then it turns to be that it was an heart attack and the woman died you will hear many of the stories so we need oh, to educate really? also yes Sylvie, we need to educate the patients meaning us we need to educate the doctors to all this set of symptoms that might differ between a man and a woman, back to Alzheimer. I can give you the example of uh, differences in symptoms of the disease. In, in, first of all, women can hide, if you, you know, it's, it's a critical word, not really hiding, but they can mask the symptoms much better than men will do because women are, first of all, have a better verbal productivity, so they speak more, and it's more difficult for a husband a daughter who are caregiving for an elderly person or 
an older woman to really capture these subtle changes because uh, a woman masks, you know, and uh, we keep on functioning somehow. Mm. But you have already signs in your brain that something it is happening, like the position of uh, toxic protein or brain atrophy. And then what happened? That when the symptoms start to occur, people will think, oh, she's strange. Oh, maybe she's depressed. And often those ladies get treated for depression a couple of years till oh. it turns out, oh, this is Alzheimer. This is something completely different. The same is true for multiple sclerosis. Very often a woman is considered like, oh, uh, she might have uh, had issues at home. She's stressed. She's uh, struggling with her husband. No, this lady is telling you I have problem with my equilibrium. I mm -hmm. have problems with my balance. Or and then they tell you, well, this is just uh, some vertigo, some problem with your hina here. And and very often you have that the diagnosis is delayed just of two, three, four years because nobody really checked with an MRI whether you had something really going on with your brain. So. What I'm telling you is that we also have to remove those prejudices about the stereotype of the hysterical woman. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Very often they ask you, oh, I had it myself, you know, when I was not feeling that well. But do you have troubles at home with your husband? I don't like this question because I'm not coming here to to have a psychotherapy session and uh, <laughs> or, or to have a chat with a friend and say, you know what, I'm, I'm fighting with my husband. And this this happens. This also happens. I'm here to tell you I have problems with my brain, with my functioning. Something is wrong with me. Take me seriously because otherwise I wouldn't be here. And we deserve the attention. As I said, we are, we are, of course, I mean, there are also realities. If you go in the most specialized center, I'm not talking about this. I'm, I'm not talking about top edge uh, center of excellence that we have around the world. There, they will give you a diagnosis in, in, in a very short time and you're in good hands. I'm talking about those women which are more in, you know, in the periphery, in, in, in rural area where, you know, it's not that immediate to have this center of excellence around the corner for, for solving your medical issue. And that's why we need to, we need to educate. That's why we need to act. Yeah. I find that, I think, like you said, women do masks because we just keep going on. Right. But I, I'm pretty sure that we notice the differences and can probably pinpoint when they started. I know that Absolutely. I have, you know, and uh, just little things and you're like, oh, I'm wondering if that's from or how that started or where, you know, like, where's that going to take me or is it going to get worse, you know, and you just keep going on. And uh, I've had a couple of those little like moments lately. <laughs> I'm like, I've just got to stay super healthy and, and, you know, make it through the fifties. Exactly. <laughs> and, 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 you know, to, your, to this point, Sylvie, you said it earlier, we can do a lot to prevent. So mm -hmm. I can't uh, stress enough how important it is to do physical activity, to stay socially engaged, to yeah. sleep well. Sleep it is such an important factor for having I know. a good functioning brain. That's one uh, of the things that I've, I myself have really started paying more attention to like whether I, you know, even if I, I, everybody could work 24 seven, right. Oh, you yeah. agree, Antonella, you can like <laughs> never leave your computer. But the, the point is that now I've got to pull myself away and actually make efforts to get to bed at a reasonable time. 
because I know that that's going to make me a better person tomorrow, the next day, next month, you know, it's going to, it's help. And I don't, you know, I don't think people think enough of, about the sleep. Cause when I talk to my clients, I'm like, how is your sleep? Oh, well, it's stressful. It's I'm up all night. I'm like, this is where we have to start, Absolutely. you know, because it's going to affect everything. Like your stress, your eating, your mood, your, Absolutely. your you know, if you want to work out, you're not going to have a good work, you know, like it's just, um, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I think that's so important that you say that. Um, and, uh, and, you know, I can give you my personal, uh, you know, experience. Uh, after all, mm-hmm. yes, I'm a medical doctor, but I'm also a mother of two kids, uh, a professional. <laughs> I'm a human being. You know what I mean? Uh, my my secret, for example, to cool, calm down my mind and mm. find a good sleep, it's a habit that I inherited from a man I used to watch when I was a younger girl and there was this this lawyer who was kind of a philosopher or he used to walk always at night and uh, everybody was telling oh look the lawyer is walking again and it was maybe (laughs) 10 or 11 at night it was you know Italy summer summer night summer summertime Uh, and now that I am also on on the way of aging because I'm 47 I have taken the habits especially since the pandemic since the pandemic started to regularly go every evening before going to bed for a one hour walk. And it doesn't matter if it is raining. It doesn't matter if it is cold. I'm living in Switzerland. It's not like in Italy, it's summer nights. <laughs> it's, it's much colder, <laughs> but I do it. And I can tell you that the quality of sleep I will encounter after a good one hour walk, mm-hmm. while by the way, I can also talk with my friends because I can be on the phone, have a little chit chat, um and you know to speak with your friends we go back to the socially engaged how often do we do that now right like seriously rarely but i think it is sometimes more therapeutic than many other things we do a good chat with a friend it's uh, something so healing sometimes and and that's why i do you know i've learned that this is giving me a good quality of sleep and and i mean it works for me maybe for for someone else something else will work but to Mm -hmm. put the attention on a good quality of sleep it is essential to have a good functioning brain for starting the day tomorrow morning but also to age the best possible way to avoid that cognitive decline that dementia that might change you know our life (laughs) and this is my son entering (laughs) (laughs) who says hello (laughs) so you know I always wonder and I think we mentioned this before that you know even though the pharmaceutical the drug is like there's so much disease why is there no emphasis on like what you just talked about like how we can reverse some of these things not by drugs but I know it's a cheap like it doesn't put any money in the pharmaceuticals pockets at all but but I wouldn't say it's so. One of the I wouldn't say everybody so. could do. I, I think again, it's a, it's a, there is a wind of change, and even in the pharmaceutical industry, there is the clear understanding that uh, we need to have an holistic approach if we want to have the well-being of our patients and be our patients right. adherent to the, to the solution that we are providing. Um, you know, more and more, 
I think we are observing the patient's centricity in anything that it's done. So to really co-create also with the patients possible solutions that represent a real benefit. And this implies also digital solution. More and more people have the benefit of having apps on their phone and monitor the treatment mm -hmm. response or being in a platform where they can interact with other patients or way to report side effects. You know, this is so important. This right. is also happening while we speak. And again, it's work in progress. Of course, I mean, to your question, I would like to bring another provocative thoughts across. More and more, we are seeing that there are profound investment into science, which understands the way we age. So no. aging, yeah, and this is, this is the future, I think. Oh, I think yeah. That, <laughs> you know, if we start to understand why we age, how we age, and how to block or delay that pathway, that's another successful tool for having a better quality of life. I'm not saying to you that we have to live forever, but mm -hmm. I'm telling you, why don't we try to understand which are those mechanisms related to, aged, to age that predispose us to have those chronic diseases? Because the major risk factor for any chronic condition, Alzheimer, Parkinson, diabetes, hypertension, cardiovascular diseases, it is aging, right? Mm -hmm. That's the main risk factor. So by understanding what's happening in that process and stopping that process or delaying that process, it's the key to avoid all those chronic conditions that yeah. predispose us to comorbidities, polypharmacy, very high cost for the healthcare system. And we know mm -hmm. that we can't sustain an healthcare system that becomes more and more expensive. We have to try to do the opposite, to basically reduce the cost by implementing those preventive measures. And I think that even health insurances are more and more putting an emphasis on all those aspects. And that's the beauty yeah. of it. The whole system is moving towards something new, focus more to prevention, focus more to understanding what's happening with aging and how to revert or how to stop that process. And uh, I, am, I hope that in the near future, I will have also a major role in this because uh, uh, that's one of the possible new steps I'm going to take forward in my career. Second. My husband's printing something. <laughs> I got the printer behind me. But what time is it at yours? What time is it? At oh, yours? we got 20. So um, it, it's funny that you're saying aging because aging in the beauty world is a billion dollar business. Like it's bigger than the NFL and the NHL and, and everything put together. And funny you should mention that yesterday I was listening to an infomercial about um, this pill. And I'm like, I was so ready to put my credit card on the table. No, seriously. Cause it touched on all my pain points and, but it was talking about collagen, Paul, uh, Saul Palmetto and hydro, hydro, hydraulic, you know, hydraulic acid, like hydro. Yeah. I can't say it right now. So, and and how it's like those three combinations have been able to 
let's just say I was listening to the story and I'm like, so wanted to believe this has been, has helped certain people, um, you know, age, and we're just talking about phys- physical. We're not talking. Inter- I am talking well, they're talking about, about internal. I'm talking, not talking about, about drugs. I am talking about internal. My dream, you know, yeah, I know cancer, it's internal, but it's not drug related, but it's like about your face. It's about your skin. It's about aging. And I was just like, oh my God, where's my That's the paradox. You have lots of money and lots of uh, big business behind the aging beauty uh, chapter. We are now, only now starting to invest into understanding relationship between aging and how the body really yeah, everything sick. below the neck, right? Exactly. Also the brain. I mean, uh, also well, the, the brain, brain, yeah. Also the brain, because as I said, uh, those chronic diseases, neurodegenerative diseases, the major risk factor, it is age. So when you are 30, you won't highly likely have Alzheimer's, right? You won't have Parkinson. You won't, I mean, only if you're really... <laughs> so what I'm trying to tell you is that if we understand why age represents that major risk factor and how we can control that, at a mechanistic level. So really the mode of functioning of certain molecules, that's mm-hmm. the secret of the future of the medicine, of, of medicine. Do you believe, I'm, I'm a believer that every one of us has a disease inside us that's dormant. And if we abuse our bodies, like high stress, poor diet, like no activity for an extended period of time, that that's what is going to engage that disease. And that's what you're going to get basically like MS, cancer, you know, do you, do you think like that? That's what I think. I mean, uh, my point is that uh, I am less preventative, whatever it is in your body. That's for sure. I mean, I'm, I'm less of a believer. I'm more of an observer. So I, I base my thoughts on the facts. Unfortunately, yeah. there is also the stochastic event, which means the bad luck. Very often, medicine is driven by the bad luck. You know, yeah. we ask ourselves, why did I get now cancer? It's not because you necessarily did not exercise or you didn't do this, you didn't do that. Highly likely it's also because you had that bad luck. To yeah. your point, though, there is still a lot that one can do either to, as I said, ideally prevent that stochastic event or delay that stochastic event, Mm -hmm. or once it happened, or once it happened, to keep it under control. Because Mm -hmm. what we know, even if you are a cancer patient, if you exercise, we know that in women that have breast cancer, for example, and uh, receive therapy for it, whether surgery or chemotherapy afterwards, if they train, the rate of disease progression will be slower, right, than a patient that might not, tra- might not train at all. And it's not only about disease progression, it's also the, the, the state of mind you're in. Mm-hmm. That's why it is so mm-hmm. important. There is a strong inter- inter- interrelationship between our body and how we interpret things related to our body and how good we feel about it, right? How how we can accept events that might be also terrible events, but if you have a strong mind, you can metabolize it much better than if your mind is weak or if you don't have tools that yeah. allows you to cope with it. I give you an example, rituals. 
might sound very banal, you know, but uh, why do people stick to rituals and why do rituals make you stronger? And we need those What's rituals. Ritu- rituals. How do you pronounce that in, 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 in Rit- proper English? Rituali, rituals. Rituals. Rit- Rit- oh, rituals. I, yes, very good. Very well said. Thank you, Sylvie. Your pronunciation <laughs> <Rituals>. is excellent. <laughs> we, work, we work well together. <laughs> so say it again, say it again. That people rituals. Understand. Very good. Rituals. So these, these are things that allow us to cope with events much better, which allow mm-hmm. us to cope with stress. They prepare us to um, face, I don't know, a, a test at school when we were young, when we are young, mm-hmm. or um, I don't know, a major, if you have to give a talk in front of an audience, there are little rituals that will allow you to perform much better. And these are, every, everyone will have its own. But when you speak with athletes, you know, for me, that was one of the greatest learning. I've spoken mm-hmm. with a, an amazing lady. She's three times winner of the uh, gold medal for, um, oh, how is it called nowadays in English? She's a ski athlete, a Swiss one. She oh, just, cross Nordic skiing? You know, the cross slalom. Country? No, slalom. Oh, okay. how do you say? Yeah. The, slalom. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, she was the one who told me I need my rituals to have the best mm-hmm. athletic performance. And then it rang a bell. I said, oh, I also have my rituals. And I never realized that, right? But I tend to go always to the same holiday place in summer to see that that people are still healthy, that that place still exists, that I can move easily without knowing where to go and buy the bread you know or I usually wear a red dress when I have a very important thing to be done or I buy sometimes a new dress I buy a new dress Sylvie every time I have to do something (laughs) particularly challenging for me from an emotional point of view like a Mm -hmm. big event or meeting important people I and you should I I do, you know, but it's this little trick, trick, and everybody will have its own. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. it's 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 the way we cope with the, with life, and those things will allow you to to face even unfortunate event in a much better possible way. Back to the brain, uh, you know. In the past, we used to pray much more. You know, there are still people, of course, who pray a lot, and pray praying right. It's Mm -hmm. having the same benefit as meditation on our brain. So it's this kind of mantra, rituals, calming down processes that have a tremendous beneficial impact on our brain. So what I'm telling is also that we should teach our kids, our young generation to have those rituals or methods in place like meditating or even praying if they want Mm -hmm. to just put the mind at peace and calm down. I think this is so important. And in our active lifestyle, we often forget, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just, uh, <laughs> it kind of makes me think of my son who's nine and he has to have one of us rub his back every night. So he calm, you know, like just yeah. calms and, and he just falls asleep. And I, <laughs> you know, sometimes I just make so much fun of him, but yeah. you know, and I get it. I get it. It's just like every night, just calming, calming the mind. Um, and he just falls asleep. Like, um, so, so everybody needs to get somebody to rub their back. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) My husband likes it too. (laughs) My 
<laughs> Certainly a nice massage once in a while, it doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But back to the Women's Brain Project. For, uh, last few things I'd like to tell you are the following. Yes. First of all, it is an open organization accessible to anyone. We need support from any corner. So I'm very thankful to you for this opportunity because for me to bring those type of messages across, it's, it's a unique chance, especially because we believe mm -hmm. in empowering people with knowledge. And yeah. uh, the motto is that uh, if you take care of yourself, you should be the first doctor of your body. And then, of course, there are other professionals that will help you along the journey. But it's important to know our body, to take care of our body, recognize certain symptoms and seek for help whenever there is a need. So this is also yeah. at the core mission of what we do at the Women's Brain Project. We are an organization that is cooperating with even not only pharmaceutical industry, but academia, as I said, we even have for instance, finance houses like banks, you know, we, we bring our message anywhere to educate to this type of conversation we've had. And there is a strong interest. Uh, it has a high resonance with, uh, within any type of uh, organization, business activity, because women are everywhere and women are the chief medical officer of their family. So if I'm bringing to you some piece of information, you will be the one that will distribute within your family it's about your kids it's about your friends it's about maybe your mother the person you're taking care of because women by the way i didn't tell you Sylvie, represent the 70 percent of the caregiver population worldwide i think so, i read that somewhere that's, like yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. we can give as mothers we can give as spouse we can give as daughters and then there is when our parents are getting older or there are major diseases in the family it's very often the case that it's the the wife, the daughter, who steps out of the main job, main responsibility to take care of a relative member. And you know, yeah. caregiving poses women to a high burden, posing them to high risk of being depressed. Depression, mm -hmm. it's a risk for dementia later on in life. It's again, social isolation. If you caregiver, you can give 24 hours seven, you're not going to have the coffee with your friends. You're not going to have the walk. I told you I do. You're not oh, going to go your gym and your fitness activity. Mm -hmm. You are just really dedicated to something major. And that's why it's important to talk about this as well. That's also what we do. We put the caregiving at the center and we try to teach also caregivers to take some good time for themselves, get organized around it and take a break and get help, support to detach for a while yeah. and then refresh yourself so but yeah. uh, this brings me to the to another point it's an organization that it is a non-profit it's a uh, it's a non-profit organization which relies on sponsorship on um, collaborations on donations and membership so people can become members oh and, okay uh, it's uh yeah we want to expand our community and we want to have women becoming our ambassadors. So in case there are women who want to learn about WBP and become the, the, the uh, seeding ambassadors elsewhere from Canada to, we have people, we now have our uh, satellite organization getting uh, established in Australia. We have uh, our satellite organization in India. So if you have oh. ambassadors that wants to be created around the world, uh, just knock at the door and we will be more than glad to so did you, so Antonella, did you mention that you, somebody could um, uh, reach out to your organization to have somebody come in and talk about your, the Women's Brain Project? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So absolutely. is that all on the website? Is that where, like, if our, if we have a listener who's interested in having someone from your organization 
um, come to their uh, yes. workplace or women's group or? Absolutely. Then That's what we do. And uh, it's very easy. You just need to drop an email to info at womensbrimproject.com okay. and then we will organize accordingly. Um, as I said, we, we rely on support, amplification of our message and uh, cooperation from anyone. So, and, and, you know, we are great at this. So we have a lot of uh, consensus at the moment. Feel free. That's great. And I didn't realize there is a membership. So is that also information on your website? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Perfect. And be all found on our website. Um, it's uh, a small fee actually. Uh, so I think it's quite uh, doable. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I mean, we want to, as I said, expand the community of women that are interested in, in, in this topic and learn and, uh, and also share the message further. Yeah, that'd be great. So their website is womensbrainproject.com. And we will be putting all of the links to their Facebook, their Instagram and LinkedIn page. So wherever you are, you can go and find them. And there's quite a few great videos on there, by the way, um, that you can go and listen to. So as our listeners, I want to thank you so much for jumping in and listening to this episode. I think it's so powerful. Um, it's, you know, women are getting more active now that we're older, as I've noticed, uh, COVID was a great, great thing for a lot of us who took advantage of getting out, like actually de-stressing de yourself, not having to do anything and now having in introducing physical fitness, um, you know, into their lives. I, there's, you know, something that good came came out of this uh, for those who took advantage of it. So um, I want to thank you so much, Antonella, for coming out. Is there any last bit of wisdom you want to distill on us? I mean, as I said, there are actually those little actions that I mentioned earlier. I have mm -hmm. uh, just a final thank you to you, Sylvie. And uh, my main tip is this one, stay engaged. I mean, engagement, stay close to people you like and and this will make your life easier, healthier and uh, maybe even longer. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, let's, let's go for the longer part. So thank you so much, everybody. Have an amazing day and don't forget to follow um, the Women's Brain Project on Instagram and all the other locations as well as the podcast secrets from the saddle podcast have yourself an amazing day everyone yeah thank you so much for spending this time with me on the secrets from the saddle podcast learning more about sighting people places and things that make cycling such an exciting sport i am so glad you stopped by today please leave me a review if you feel so moved to do so i would love to hear your feedback and if you could take one second to share this episode with someone you think would enjoy it, I would be forever grateful. Also, if you could please leave me a review if you feel so moved by going to iTunes and leaving me an honest thought and an honest comment telling me what you think and most importantly, tell me what you'd like to hear more of. It would really help me to bring more great inspiring cycling stories to you. Until then... 
Have an amazing day. Make sure you ride your bike. And don't forget to visit my YouTube channel if you'd like to see the full version of this podcast live.